Welcome to the Engaged Midwife Podcast. I'm Missy. And this is Kara. And And today we're excited to have you join us for a conversation about what it's like to be partnered or married to a midwife. It's going to be so exciting. I think we're really excited. We'll see what the partners have to say. Um, but we're really excited to have Missy Ferlette Koski with us today. And um, Missy, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and then introduce um, your partner too? Sure. So I am uh, a certified nurse midwife. Um, I work in Oak Park, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. Um, I work for a small um, midwife owned hospital based practice. Um, where we do water birth and fun, you know, physiologic birth. Um, I, let's see, what could I tell you? I um, am originally from Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, but then I came to school for undergrad and grad school uh, to Chicago and I never wanted to leave. Um, let's see what else I identify as queer. I identify as a feminist. Um, I identify as an anti-racist feminist. Um, and I have been a midwife for three and a half years. So there you and go. who's sitting next to you? My wife, Sarah, she, and I have been married for almost seven years. We've been together for nearly nine. Um, Sarah works in higher education and trying to keep kids, college kids in school. Um, She's a wonderful, patient, (laughs) lovely human who helps parent our twin 14-month-olds, Jessa and Joel. Um, So, yeah, I'm lucky. (laughs) I think that a lot of us as midwives would probably use pretty similar words about our partners in life and patience is a virtue. Um, yeah. flexibility, <laughs> all of those well, understanding, uh, all yeah. the adjectives. So Kara, why don't all you yeah. introduce your husband? Sure. So, um, my husband, Tim, we met, we've been married 22 years and met as, um, freshman in college, freshman week at Truman state in Kirksville, Missouri. Um, he's a high school chemistry teacher. And he's been right alongside me through my career when we were, you know, as a labor nurse and going through midwifery school Mm -hmm. and then in practice in a full scope midwifery practice where I had seven physician partners and four midwives and we had three hospitals and I ran my tail off. And then as I transitioned into academia and now starting to venture back a little bit more into practice and it's very different with teenagers than it was when we had babies. So um, we're pretty excited to share our story. You want to say hi real fast? Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) All right. So Missy, tell us about Bob. All right. So this is my husband, Bob. Say hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. And uh, Bob and I have been married just almost seven years. um, But Bob came into my life after I had already become a midwife. I've been a midwife for about 15, almost 16 years now. Um, So Bob has a different perspective because he married into being a midwife. Um, and Bob works in it. He's a systems architect. He does all the things to your technology that we don't understand. Um, but does an amazing job of trying to maybe understand what it is that I do both in higher ed and in practice. So do you want to say anything? I'm happy to be here. I'm sure you are. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's really fun to be here with everybody's um, spouses and to just really talk about the idea of what it's like to be married to a midwife. So Missy and Kara and I are going to get to be quiet and we're going to get to ask these um, all of these wonderful humans some fun questions. So Sarah, I'm going to pick on you first. Tell me what it was like to be with Missy while she was in midwifery school. Wow. That was a, it was a challenge. I mean, I think, um, first I'll state, we did not have children while she was in school. And I think that that's a really important thing to highlight because she had some friends and other students that did have kids and I don't know how they did it. Um, I was working full time and, you know, we were just sort of making ends meet and, I think the thing I remember the most was her sitting at the dining room table in our third story walk-up apartment crying fairly often (laughs) over pharmacology and pathophysiology Mm -hmm. and all of those really difficult courses. Um, But I was really proud to watch her go through the experience and persevere through it. Um, As a partner who has breasts and a vagina, I also became a subject at times (laughs) and would be invited to be a patient, a quote unquote subject. During the physical exam. That sounds right. And yeah, so that was, um, an inside window into how midwifery school <laughs> looked and mm. felt. Ouch. <laughs> I do think I will say, um, I remember health assessment having to do male yes, exams as well. So um I don't think you were the only one that got to be a test subject, but maybe a little bit different. A little bit different. A little bit. But it was, I mean, it was a very cool experience. And I enjoyed getting to know her classmates and they are will be lifelong friends of ours. Um, I certainly commiserated with the other spouses, mm-hmm. um, you know, one, one in particular, uh, our friends who we just, beca- yeah, we just became really close friends with. And he and I, like, I think we had our own little celebration when they graduated, <laughs> just the two of us were like, yes, they're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little did we know. <laughs> little did you know what kind of career like path was about to like unfold in front of you. Mm-hmm. I was single and childless in midwifery school. So oh. I have a very unique perspective of that because it was really, I was very like self-reflective. It was just me like working in labor and delivery and taking care of myself. And I really don't know how I would have taken care of anybody else when I was in school because it was just, I had crying fits, but those crying fits were alone. Like who am yeah. I crying to? Well, and I think that Sarah, before she was a social worker, she was an athletic trainer. And so she was used to working odd hours and hours that kind of revolved around student athlete schedules and game schedules and stuff. So I think that the bonus of that is that the unpredictability of her schedule meant that if I had a crazy schedule, we would just sort of try to meet where we could, but it wasn't like she had a nine to five. And then it was really disappointing if I had like a 12 and then I didn't get home till eight 30. And then I didn't see her. Like we, we kind of made it work because we could do like a morning thing. And that, you know, it's like, we, 
without kids, it aligned. It, we we made it work. I remember we had this um, dry erase board where we would figure out which days of the month we both had like two or three hours of free time, and we would like lock in those days and make sure we did something together because otherwise it would completely pass us by. So it was it was something. There was a lot of crying at the dining room table, but I took health assessment farm and management one in the same semester. And it was terrible. I passed obviously, cause now I'm practicing, but oh man, was that something? <clears throat> yeah. I think so. We all had that similar that we didn't have children during midwifery school. And I'm very thankful for that. Looking back on it now, cause I see my own students really struggling with how to handle all of those roles, but you took on Tim, you took on a lot more just responsibility, which I'm pretty sure we're probably all strong, independent women, but like, I haven't paid a bill since I think I started midwifery school and Mm -hmm. you took on most of the housework and the laundry and so many different things. Yeah. And a lot of things I remember when she was in midwifery school was there wasn't a lot of time we got to see each other because me teaching and coaching and her working and even working nights, I think when you had started, she was sleeping during the day. So we, we had a lot of time basically away from each other and, you know, working and doing part-time school at the same time. Um, I was lucky to already have finished most of my schooling beforehand. So I didn't have to worry about can go back and getting a master's degree and doing that kind of thing. And, you know, it's just watching her go through that experience. It was a, a trying time. You, you had to, you, you had to be there, you had to support her. And I think that's one of the things I basically did is what I could do is just how could I could support her during that time? Um, that's one of the things I remember. Um, it really got interesting, probably the last year of her school because she became pregnant. Yeah, that's true. And was pregnant and finishing up the last semester. And I remember um, you going and having to stay down in Joplin during that time. Um, so she was away from me for months. The first trimester. Yeah. The first trimester when she was pregnant and, um, some reason, some reason I thought I was being a very thoughtful husband and got her a graduation gift. And, uh, we decided that we would go on a trip. And so I booked a trip to Vegas in the middle of June when she was about six months pregnant, five yeah. or six months pregnant. So yeah, that was the smartest idea. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't quite understood. Your heart was in the right place. Oh, yeah. Should I also mention that the annual meeting, ACNM annual meeting that year was in, in New Orleans. Orleans. So in my first five months of pregnancy, I had a trip to New Orleans and Las Vegas. It wasn't ideal. No, well, you but... eat beignets and like, go yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, everything no. smells a little bit like pee and vomit there. So yeah. it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, so, when really she started, so when she started practice with having a child at the same time, yeah, that's when things I think really got interesting and where we had to learn how to balance our schedules and be more prepared, um, you know, Kara was talking about things of what, what would you say to another couple who's going or has a midwife and is starting to have children and stuff. And it's just like, you got to get organized. You got to get organized. You got to realize that, 
hey, I need to have all of the stuff packed for when I drop them off at daycare the night before when she's leaving at 7 p.m. possibly or 1 a.m. and that I need to now get up and do that and not bitch and moan and be upset because this is what she wants to do and this is her life. And that's what I you know, really appreciate is that I, I think I became a person who really accepted what she was doing. And it's, it's very important work. I find it. Um, but you do more than accept it. I mean, I think that's what I you're appreci- trying to say. I appreciate is really what it is. Yeah. It's because, you know, you worked hard to get that degree and do what you're doing. And I could tell she was very passionate about what she was doing. Yeah. yeah. When I leave the house, Sarah always says they're lucky to have you. Mm. And it's so nice because there's often times when I'm leaving my house and all I want to do is like snuggle my babies and like lay on the couch with Sarah. And I'm like, fuck, I have to go to this prime up delivery. I'm going to be gone forever. And Sarah's like, they're lucky to have you. And I'm like, okay, yes, there's a reason I became a midwife. There's a reason I'm doing this work. I am seen. Okay, I can do this. So thank you. That's like the sweetest thing I think I've ever heard. I, I think we could be done now. Like that's the advice <laughs> for everybody who's made Thanks for setting advice. the bar so high, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also in as listening to Tim talk about like schedules and picking up responsibility. Like when Missy told me that the babies go to bed at 6:30, I was like, yes, like right on, mamas. Like you're doing a great job. Put those babies to bed early. Well, they're up from 5.30 or 6 to 6.30. So you have to think about the 12 hours that have ensued between the waking and the sleeping. And you're like, go to bed. Yes. Yes. Go to bed. Go to bed. So that's really fun. That Mm. is. Well, and so the schedule is an interesting thing. Um, And I think it's that unpredictable nature. Like, you know, are you in a midwife practice where you take call from home? That's almost harder sometimes than if you just go and like have to be in house and then your partner knows not to expect you. I think the hardest part was not ever knowing when I was going to be called out or when I might return home. Well, um, my experience is, yeah, I take call from home. Um, and I live about a mile from our hospital and I live a little bit less than a mile, a little bit more than a mile from our office. And so I do take call from home. Um, you know, when it's not busy, it's like a bonus day. Cause you're like, Oh, I just have to like answer some random phone call about mastitis. And then I'm like, cool. Um, and then other times it's terrible. Like last Tuesday I was gone for 25 and a half hours. Cause we had a blizzard and my collaborating physician, whom I'm also friends with came and picked me up to take me because I couldn't get out of our alley. And then I was gone for 25 hours and then subsequently came home because our nanny picked us, picked me up and took me back home. So it's like, you don't really know when it's going to be, Oh, Hey, I'm gone for a multip delivery for two hours or like, Oh, Hey, I have this induction that's going to take forever and I'm going to be gone. So it's a mixed blessing. I mean, it's really nice to be able to be, um, kind of, you know, here, but then at the same time, you can't ever really commit to it, to being here. So we have, also a nanny who, um, we love who's been here, who's here like 30 to 35 hours a week. So that enables Sarah to get her job done and then helps when, especially in the morning, cause I have an 8am to 8am shifts, uh, mostly. And so, um, she comes and can help, you know, 
do all the things that need to happen in the morning. So it doesn't, I don't know. So Sarah can like get in the shower and get ready for work and showering is important. We are really committed to showering. I'll just say this as an aside, like as new parents, you know, like we made sure we showered every day. And I think that was really helpful. So pro tip to those of you that are expecting, get in the shower, just even shower. going to change your life. So Bob and I got married when I was working at a practice a hundred miles from home. A hundred miles, a hundred miles. So we live what in Cincinnati. Yeah, we live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and a practice that's in Lexington, Kentucky, was looking for a midwife. They didn't need me full time, um, and so it was kind of interesting because I would I would go down for one office day a week. So like on a Thursday or Friday, I would go down and do eight hours of office, and it just ended up being a twelve hour day. Right, you drive down, you do eight hours of office, you drive home. Um, but then every fourth weekend I would be there from 7am on Friday morning until 7am on Monday morning. So I would stay Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So 72 hours. Um, I did have great collaborating physicians and laborists. So if I was up like a crazy person for like, you know, 30 hours, they made me go to bed and they would cover my patients until, you know, I had six or eight hours of sleep. But so Bob had to sometimes come in keep me company. I, I mean, I did in-house call. I sat in my call room and when you're not busy for 72 hours, you're like, Oh, I'm so bored. So, and two people sleeping on a twin call bed, you know, there's, there's nothing better. There really is. So cute. That is cute. I've never done that. Um, I was looking through my time hop the other day and I saw these pictures of Bob and I sitting on that twin call bed playing battleship and like eating takeout Thai food. So for us, sometimes it became like date night, right? Like they came down, he came down to see me in Lexington and, you know, we were close enough at the hospital. I didn't have to be like at the hospital. I just needed to be in the vicinity so we could go out to dinner. We could do things that we wanted to do. So it kind of sometimes became a fun date. Um, but then other times I was just away from home for 72 hours, which Bob called that freedom. (laughs) You call that freedom. You probably did when we didn't have kids. It's not freedom now. No. No. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. It's harder. It's harder when you've got, and Bob and I have a blended family. So we have three boys. We have an 18 year old who's in college, a 12 year old and a nine year old. And so our kids always spent time at their other parents' houses. So it was really interesting, like juggling schedules. So like, when are the kids all away at their other parents' houses? When are the kids home? When am I on call? And so it was, um, you know, it was a constant state of juggling for our own schedules. Well, yeah. And finding those gaps, like that's always what it is. Like, when are you like now Sarah works mostly from home, but she has one day a week that she goes in and it's like, okay, well, which day are you going in? Is our nanny here? If she's not here, is it me? If it's me and my post call, what, what are we doing? So it's always a juggling of schedules. Thankfully in my practice, I used to do three office days a week and eight 24s a month. Now I do two office days and seven and a half. So that's made a huge difference because now um, my office days are Mondays, Thursdays. So Fridays, if I'm not on call, I'm off. Um, And I have office on Thursday. So I'm also rested. Um, So we make it try. We we try to make it work. Uh, There's a funny, I'll tell a really funny story apropos of nothing, but now that we're talking about it, um, 
I got home from my 25 and a half hour call shift and Sarah crawled into bed next to me. I was exhausted. It was an induction, but it still (laughs) kept me up, you know, so I was not well rested. And she looked at me and she was like, you don't get to be a midwife anymore. I was like, oh, okay, well, what am I going to do instead? (laughs) She's like, sex work. That's just, you're going to start selling your body. I was like, honey, I don't think that sex works become legal in Illinois. Maybe, maybe not. But like, I don't think that's what I want to do. She's like, well, we're going to have to find another solution because midwifery is over for me. And, I'm like, okay. and they had had a particularly hard night because our son is teething. You know, they get up, we have tiny people. It was a total joke, but it was like, well, what other alternative do we have? She was reaching, you know, grasping for straws. Um, I think it's great that that's what she went to. That like your positive house. We respect sex workers. Um, it's not the line of work that I would go for. Um, but you know, hey, it's an option, I guess. For Sarah. So, Tim, can you think of a funny example of something that's happened through Kara's midwifery career that, like, you think about now and you laugh about? Oh. I think one of the things would be probably me in the background when she would get a phone call and the beeper would go off, the beeper would go off and I would immediately just go, she's going to need a warm bath, drink lots of water, call me back in 30 minutes. If the contractions get any faster, maybe two hours, maybe two hours or whatever the time period was. But it was just gotten to a point and she would laugh and giggle too afterwards that I would say the same thing and literally be the same thing. And, and so, you know, that was kind of one of the funny things is just how much I learned, Mm -hmm. um, how much I didn't know about the female body, um, pregnancy and everything and everything else. Um, So I've learned a lot. Uh, on the flip side, I could probably tell you a, a different s- kind of sadder story about midwifery. And that is when she, Kara, went into um, pregnant with her second child and had a bleed with her placenta previa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we Christmas Eve night had to rush her to the emergency room with a major bleed and um I remember running and telling my parents, just opening the door and saying, hey, we're leaving, going to the emergency room. You need to take care of our three-year-old child and be ready in the morning for Santa Claus. Which kudos to me for bleeding on Christmas Eve when the in-laws were here. I mean, it was perfect timing. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't know what we would have done if there wasn't someone, uh, you know, else to take care of the child and take the child. But um, the the story was when I, she finally was stable and everything. And she told me to go home and do Christmas with our, with our daughter, who was three and I said to Julia, and I said, you know, mommy's not here. She's at the hospital. And Julia goes, well, that's okay. Mommy's always at the hospital. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's just kind of that perception, you know, she understand what mommy does. And, and, and but it's kind of that sad story of that, the, the you know, and I, it, take I mean, the kinda, knife out of my back. Kiddo. Yes, exactly. Oh that breaks my heart into a million pieces. The way we try to frame it is like 
mama's gonna go to a birthday party she'll be back soon like oh yeah they're too little to know but now oh no my pager would go off and she's like you'll go help a baby out and I'm like yeah I'm gonna go help a baby out but she wasn't anxious about me being hospital in the hospital (laughs) so it was a scary place to her no do you have any funny anecdotal things about me being a midwife since we've been married? I'm sure he's got I, something. I think it's all very similar. You know, today, for example, you know, I learned about yolk sacs and gestational sacs and, you know, you, you, you name it, just depending on the day and learning something different, something <laughs> new and hearing something about a woman's body that I didn't know. So, you know, every day's an adventure. Yeah. I will also tell you that Bob and I sit next to each other. If you could see our office, we have like a 12 foot or 15 foot long desk and Bob sits on one end and I sit on the other. Mm. So when I'm doing lectures for midwifery students, he's hearing all of it. Mm. So today I was talking about the correlation between HCG and what you see in the uterus with an ultrasound. And so he's just like taking it all in and I'm like, hmm. But also our children, and I'm sure Kara's children are um, really accustomed to this, and yours will be too, Missy and Sarah, is that like we use the right words for everything, which every like our, I had a long conversation about testicles and penises and all these things because I have we have all boys. There's just boys in our house. So it's all it's always about the right words, right? Um, and so my kids think that this is hysterical. Um, cause my 12 year old said the other day, mom, can you tell me a little bit more about vaginas? I think that word is fascinating. And I just want to know. And I was like, this is a fun car conversation. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> also the kindergarten teacher called me when he was a kindergartner, like six years ago and said something like, did you know your son calls, you know, his reproductive organs, a penis. And I was like, what do you want him to call it? I'm confused as to why that's the wrong word for you. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting when we talk to our kids someday about like what it was like for us all to be midwives and raising children. It'll be a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of another story. Um, oh, good Lord. That it's just, <laughs> well, just the whole, the whole aspect and, and kind of how we get each other kind of thing is that I'm a science nerd kind of guy. And so I will remember the time and, and I know how much she loves her work. And when I was at a science convention and um, I call her up and I go, honey, I got you some STDs. And I found these plush STDs and I I bought them for her. And then we would then in our house had a plush uh, the vulva. Yes. Yes. So I, you know, I had to learn different things. And so just, uh, just the the fact that, um, she's rubbed off a lot on me and, (laughs) and her, her passion towards teaching and and everything has been great. And so, um, it's, it takes, you know, it's, it's different. I've learned so much even more about the difference between being a physician and a midwife and, so much about um, how midwives are with women and more than just catching the baby and all the care. And so that's kind of an eye-opening experience learning that as a spouse. 
I love to, if you guys don't, if any of our listeners don't know Kara, Kara has stickers of vulva everywhere. She loves vulva. If you follow her on social media, there's vulva everywhere. If you don't get a vulva post from Kara in like a week, we're really disappointed. I just want people to use the right words. Like it's not your vagina. It's your vulva that you're talking about. What do you have, Missy? Like I heart, I should go get it. I have my like the I heart guts vulva on yes. my bag. And then I have like a cuterus, like it's a uterus that has a smile. It's, it's on my hospital badge. Um, and it's a cuterus. Cuterus. Yeah. She's pink and fabulous. I'll go, hold on. I'll go get it. You um, go get her. Yeah. Well, the I heart guts, not that we're advertising for another company, but their little plush vulva. I love because the clitoris has a little smiley face and of course she does. Because she should, as she should, as she should. As she <laughs> that's exactly should. right. Um, I pulled my birthing doll off of my, um, off of my shelf the other day to talk to some students about breastfeeding and breastfeeding position. And my birthing doll happens to have a snap on her mouth, the baby. So she can snap onto the nipple. And I was thinking, well, hmm, wouldn't that be convenient if we could just snap on? So Missy's showing us her cute, her cuterus. It's got little, it's got beautiful eyelashes. Right. And yes. And then I have my, I heart guts vulva, which I can show you. When yeah. you stepped away, Missy, we were saying how the clitoris has a little smiley face. Oh, it does. The clitoris of the I heart guts is definitely a smiley face. Only things that, that midwives would get. Yes. Yeah. Well, and apparently our spouses too. Well, the spouses need to no, because we can't find it. So it's got to have a smiley face there anyway. <laughs> I, I don't think you can speak for all of them. <laughs> Freaking fantastic. That's oh, my favorite oh, thing Lord. I've heard. That's amazing. Um, tell about Arthur. So Missy um, came home one night. It was two o'clock in the morning and clearly she had come home from a birth. And I said, how was the birth? And she said, Arthur's head was huge. (laughs) So it had kind of become this like funny thing that we would say. Arthur has a huge head. Arthur has a huge head. And then one night we were out to dinner (laughs) and we were sitting and eating and this woman walked up to Missy and she was like, Oh, hi Missy. And Missy was like, Oh, it's so nice to see you. And so they, you know, exchanged pleasantries and then they went and sat down at their table and Missy looked at me and she said, that's Arthur's mom. <laughs> I love it. We had um, patients of mine that have become dear friends now at our wedding. Um, so it's, so Bob has heard, I think a lot of stories from people that we know and love whose babies I've delivered over the years. And, um, and I think that's kind of fun too, that. He gets to hear some of those stories about what happens, you know, during our experiences as midwives. So, and it's, and it's as a midwife, it's the bond you create with the mother, the family, the child, the parent, parents as a whole. It's just, it, in my experience, it's nothing that you see from, you know, a physician. It's, it's a completely different relationship that you have with a midwife and it's, it's just indescribable. It's, I, I, I came across a video the other day of a baby that I delivered when she was about, when 
I don't know, she was probably five years old and I was teaching her anatomy. So we were doing like head, shoulders, knees, and toes, but we were using all of the proper anatomy. Um, And then I was quizzing her. Like I would point to a body part and she would have to tell me what it is. And I pointed over here and she goes, I said, Tate, what's that? And she goes, it's my liver. And I was like, yep, that's your liver. That's right. Um, so it's it's really fun to like see people out. I used to say I get I would get stalked in the Target. Like people would be like, I think that's Missy. I think she delivered my baby. Like, right? You get stalked when you go places. It happens us at the farmers market. Um, you know, all the time. Has this farmers market, and there's just everywhere. She like people in strollers. But then it's funny on the flip side, Sarah thinks everybody that has a baby was a patient of mine. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know them, Sarah. And she's like, you had to have delivered their baby. I'm like, no. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm sure living so close to your hospital and practice too. Like, yeah, a lot of your patients come from right around you. I mean, they come from all over because actually because of COVID, a lot of people have gotten rid of water birth, which is really mm-hmm. stupid because it's not evidence-based in any way, but whatever. But in our, our hospital is really unique in that about 40% of the deliveries are midwife driven, our pra- practice and another midwife practice, 40%, 40 to 45% are um, family practice. And then the rest are private OB. So we have a really unique um system where it's very family centered and it's very like midwife centered. And so it's not really the exception in our hospital to have midwifery care. It's sort of the rule. And so, but people come from all over to do water birth um, if they don't want to do home birth or a freestanding birth center. Um, So there's people from like the border of Wisconsin to Illinois, and then also like Indiana and the far suburbs and stuff in the city. But um, a great deal of folks are also just locals that want to, you know, deliver with us. So they're just all over. So I'm like, Hey, how are you? You know, trying to figure out how old math. Yeah. Karen and I's spot was probably Costco. It's always Costco. It's always Costco. And the funny thing is she would turn and look at me and go, I think that's a patient. And I'm like, they look different standing up. And I'm like, how would I know if that's a patient of yours? It's also sort of inappropriate in Costco to say, can I see your vagina? Because yeah, that you recognize you then. Actually, I would sometimes look for their partner because partners don't look different, pregnant and not pregnant, <laughs> but the patient often changes. Throughout. But yeah, I would always find that funny. It's just like, um, why are you turning and look at me? I was not at the hospital during I the- wasn't delivery. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this has been such a fun conversation and I would love, I have one final question for all of our partners. And that is what advice do you have to other people who are married to a midwife, dating a midwife in some sort of relationship with a midwife? So I guess let's start with Tim. Um, My advice is, well, just, you know, stay organized, support her path it's a long journey. Um, it's not just a quick thing. It's not like a doctor who goes in, comes out and leaves that you have to realize that when you're called in, it's going to be several hours. And, you know, that's just a routine. You just have to learn is is what that is. And, and, you know, her job, she is doing a lot more things, um, that are very important than a lot of other jobs out there. So I kind of, you know, respect, uh, midwifery now a lot more than I, I've ever done before. So um, that's one thing I would say. Thanks, dear. 
That was but fantastic. That was sweet. Yeah, pretty nice. Sweet. I like him. Well, you should I keep him. See you. You know, like he sees your work. It's not like, oh, you know, there she goes again off to the hospital. But it's like, oh, no, she's doing real, like really important work. Yeah. Well, I, I probably thought that way in the beginning, you know, sort of like, oh, she's going off to the hospital again. And you get frustrated. But, it, you know, it takes some time over the years and being together that maturity and our kids are older. So yes. I think we have a little yes. bit more patience. But, you know, it was difficult during when you're having little ones. And, you, you know, it's like. I want to sleep now. I did, you know, uh, I've spent all night with someone else doing a delivery and, and, and I don't want to have to come home and take care of the children and I need some space, a space and some sleep. And it, it took a while to realize, but that's, you know, that's part of the whole being a partner with someone who's a midwife. Yeah. I'm curious what Bob's advice is. <laughs> yeah. Um, having a partner that is a midwife, um, you come to understand that it is they were born to do what it is they were doing. Um, it is absolutely their life calling. And when you think about it, there's almost nothing in this world that's more important because they're bringing other humans into this world. What, what else, what could be more rewarding than that? So the patients that go along with that, the sleepless nights, the time apart, it's, it's, it's all that. But when you see that person and what they are doing and how it reflects and impacts their life and how the happiness that it brings, that, that makes it all worth it. Uh, Bob Stack. And Bob. But Bob always said that like, he's never seen me happier than when I deliver babies. So when that I mean, that should be enough for me forever, right? To, you know, look at everything else, not a second time, but just, you know, strictly at that thing. So it doesn't surprise me that he says that he knows it's a passion and it's definitely something that, you know, I feel very called to. So Sarah. Yeah, I think advice, I mean, it's communication, Absolutely. It requires planning. And, and I think for Missy and I, like we've, we've been really intentional about um, both as parents, but also as professionals in our own right is like really prioritizing our relationship and making sure that we're providing time for us to flourish and to spend time together and to go on dates and even COVID dates, you know, like we tell them about the last one. We that had a, a one. you know, our Valentine's day in our home office with takeout and face masks, you know, like that you just, you have, but you have to, you have to make that time and you have to make that space. And I think um, I really liked what both Tim and Bob had to say in like, this is, this is what, they want, you know, this is their passion. It's their calling and um, being supportive helps her also then help her patients and, and provides that support structure for, for you to do the kind of work that is, is meaningful to you. And that then gets reflected to me and, and from, for her to support me and the kind of work that I want to do. And, um, 
it's a pretty cool conversation starter. Like if you talk about like, Hey, my wife is a midwife and she catches babies. People are like, Ooh, like <laughs> it's like a natural conversation starter. So there's always something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's- absolutely true. Yes. I also think what you said, Sarah, about like it being a reflection of what we can do for our partners. Like I know because I've been around Kara and Tim enough to know that she's wildly supportive of the things that he loves and that he chases. And, and I try to be that for Bob too. Like I want to be like the person who's his cheerleader because he's been mine as a midwife for all of these years. Um, and he sacrifices for me to be able to be gone and to, you know, help other families. And I think Tim and Sarah, you all, you sacrifice for us to be able to do things for families. So I think too, like the other thing is now that we, you know, I had a, um, a doozy of an induction and delivery with our twins, but also, you know, I made the choice of using our practice as our, um, care providers. And I think that Sarah, was really able to see the work that we do and to be included in the care and to be made like center to what was happening with me, what was happening with our babies. And I think that having that lens, like by the time we arrived at delivery, like she kind of knew like, oh, like I know what they do and I know that they care and I know that they will take excellent care of my wife and like, this is all good, you know? And it was particularly helpful because, you know, I had a vaginal delivery and then a C-section. It was not a, it was not a, um, fast process, you know, and there were a lot of twists and turns to it, but like the trusting relationship that you build with your midwife, you know, is, is real and it takes time and it takes effort and it takes energy. And, you know, I think that, that's not something that you can just get by seeing somebody, you know, for five minutes every four weeks and, and hope for the best. And so I don't want to speak for you, but I know that like, that was important to you that you were a part of the care and that you could see it sort of from the inside out. Cause she could see how I related to patients as a midwifery, a nursing student, and then a midwifery student, and then a new midwife, and then a, a little bit more established midwife by the time we had kids. But you were able to see what that looked like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do. I mean, the the process of birth was was very interesting and eye opening. And I remember telling Missy she was in the recovery room, and she and I had maybe two minutes, just the two of us. And good story. I said, "You guys are crazy. <laughs> There's some y'all are crazy. There's really something wrong with you, with you that you want to do this." <laughs> every day. <laughs> this is really bananas. Mind you, there was a vaginal delivery. There was an attempted vacuum. There was an attempted forceps. There was a C like Sarah saw everything she could possibly, <laughs> possibly see. But, you know, I think that she got a glimpse as to what, like, if I said, oh man, like that was a really crazy call shift. And I say, oh, it's because we had a failed forceps delivery or because we had a long induction or because we had a, you know, huge baby, whatever. Sarah's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I get what that means now in a very like visceral way. Our advice then is uh, take your spouse to work. Yes. (laughs) That is good advice. And then you'll have a context Mm -hmm. for all the things. Yeah. That's (laughs) hysterical. Yeah. 
Well, Missy, Sarah, Tim, Bob, we're so excited that you joined us for our episode tonight. And we thank you so much for being committed to us as midwives and committed to us in life. And we appreciate your perspective. So tune in for our next episode. We look forward to um, giving you some more information. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you.